Welcome, everybody. Great to see you here. Thanks for making uh, River Glen part of your Memorial Day uh, weekend. And since it's Memorial Day weekend, I want to just take a moment and uh, uh, think about that uh, because we don't want to take our freedom uh, for granted. Uh, we, we enjoy great freedom, freedom to gather, freedom to pray, freedom to sing, freedom to talk about our, our awesome God. And these are not universal freedoms. Not everybody in our world enjoys these uh, freedoms. And so let's pause and remember the, the thousands, really hundreds of thousands of people who served our country and, and gave their life so that we could enjoy this freedom. Uh, let's, let's have a moment of silence to remember and honor those who made the ultimate sacrifice, and then I'll pray for us. God, we're thankful that we live in a country where we don't have to hide in a basement or up in an attic, but uh, we can gather publicly like this and sing and pray and talk freely about you and your son and, and what he did for us without having to worry. I thank you for this weekend, and I pray that, that um, we wouldn't forget why we get to have a picnic on Monday or we can just go and do whatever we want to do this weekend because of what has been done for us. God, we thank you for the men and women who so freely gave their lives to protect our freedom. And God, we thank you for those who continue to serve and sacrifice to protect our freedom today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you uh, enjoy your uh, Memorial Day uh, weekend. And then uh, we'd love to have you come back next weekend. Next weekend, we're really excited about this. We're, we're launching this series called You Asked For It. And th this is going to be based on questions that uh, you submitted. We did a survey a few months ago, and you submitted hundreds and hundreds of, of questions. And you know what? You didn't go easy on us, okay? And uh, I can't believe how cruel you are to, uh, you know, make your pastors try to answer uh, these questions. But uh, we're not going to dodge the, we're not going to avoid the, the tough ones. And uh, next week, uh, you want to be here because I am going to try and answer a very, very difficult question. Is suicide an unforgivable sin? Important topic. Uh, suicide's on the rise. And uh, I think it's really something important for us to uh, be aware of and and talk about and, and, and pray about, and uh, I'll, I'll be sensitive and uh, hope that you'll be here uh, next weekend. I think it's going to be a really powerful series. It'll be a great series to invite a friend to come with you. We've got some people at the, at the doors on your way out that'll have an invitation piece to hand, with, hand, hand to you. Uh, you know, just say to someone, hey, if you don't have a church uh, to go to this weekend, why don't you come to our church? And we've got this really interesting series going on, and hand them the uh, invitation uh, piece. Well, here's how I want to get started uh, today uh, with today's message. I want to begin with this question. If you, use your imagination, okay? If you uh, could pick someone, anybody in the world, to be your friend, okay? Who would you pick? You can pick anybody you want, anybody in the entire world, okay, uh, to be your new friend. Who would you want to be your friend? Uh, in fact, why don't you go ahead and just turn to somebody near, uh, next to you. And uh, share your answer uh, to them. And I want to give everybody a chance. So, you know, be mindful. Maybe, maybe turn around to the person behind you so that uh, nobody, gets, nobody gets left out. Uh, who would you pick as a friend? Anybody in the whole world that you'd like to have as a friend? Go ahead and do that right now. Now, I usually do all the talking, uh, but we're going to mix it up a little bit today because I'd love to hear your responses. I'd love to hear some of the names, some of the people that you'd like to be friends with. So uh, 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 real nice and loud. How about this section right here? Um, just go ahead and shout it out. Will, 
Will Smith, Donald Driver. That'd be awesome. Yeah, good. How about up in the mezzanine, over here, up in the mezzanine? Let's go ahead and shout out. Who would you like to be friends with? I'm sorry? Couldn't hear you. All right. All right. How about on the lower section over here? Who would you like to be friends with? Let's go ahead and. Aaron Rodgers. That'd be great. How about up in the mezzanine? Who would you pick? Anybody in the world, who would you pick as a friend? Don Beebe. Great. Yeah. <laughs> great. All right. You know, I'm not going to say anything about that. Uh, moving along. Here's what I thought about this. Here's my first reaction to this. I thought about this question. I thought, you know, if I could pick anybody, you know, I think I would probably think about what I need and what I want in my life right, right at that moment, okay? And so, you know, if I needed some money, uh, I think I might pick Bill and Melinda Gates. You know, they got plenty of it, and they're generous, and uh, they'd make a great friend. If I wanted to increase my cool factor, somebody already mentioned him, Aaron Rodgers. He'd be a great friend, right? Relax, run the table. He's pretty cool. And uh, if I needed some fashion advice, okay, I think I'd pick one of our staff members, uh, Logan's Zweifel, right here, uh, right? Wow, I thought I'd get more on that one. Um, uh, but uh, Logan, Logan, good guy for fashion uh, advice. Who you choose might depend on the qualities that you're looking for in a, in a friend. But here's another question for you. What if I told you that you could have a friend who has every single quality that you could ever hope for in a friend? Would you want that person to be your friend? Today we're continuing this series. It's called Awesome. And the series is about having awesome relationships, which is really an important part of following Jesus. Uh, because following Jesus is a relational life. One time Jesus was asked, what's most important? And he responded with two commands. They're really one. Here's what he said. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, love God, number one. And then he says, love other, other, other people, which really sounds like two commands, but it's one. And here's why. You can't do one without the other. To love, to love God is to love people. And to love people is to love God. That's why I've got the cross up here on the uh, uh, stage. Um, uh, because cross really combines these two together. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the cross, if you look at it, it has a vertical dimension. It has a vertical plank that represents, that represents the relationship between you and God. But it also has a horizontal dimension, a horizontal plank that represents your relationships with other people. The cross combines the two because to love God is to love people. And to love people is to love God. You can't really do one without the other. And I think this is why many of us would say that our most important relationships with our, maybe with our spouse, with our friends, with our family, I think many of us would say that these relationships are not all that we want them to be. And here's why. It's because of this vertical relationship, this vertical friendship that we're going to talk about today. But before I talk about it, I want to go way back. And I want to give you the history of all relationships. Okay? Just the next few minutes here, I'm going to give you the history of all relationships because it's going to help us to develop awesome relationships today. The history of all relationships really begins all the way back to the first couple chapters in the book of Genesis, way in the front of the Bible. We find that in the beginning, God created a very relational world. There were no religion, there was no religion, no rituals. 
uh, no, no ceremonies, just a simple loving relationship between God and the people that he created named Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve delighted in God, and God delighted in Adam and Eve. In fact, it, it says in Scripture, Adam and Eve had a friendship with God. They lived in perfect relationship with God and each other. Life was exactly the way that it was meant to be. But then something happened. The Bible calls it sin. And I know when you think of sin, you probably think of moral or ethical wrongdoing. Sin is moral or ethical wrongdoing. And that's partly right. But I would rather have you think about how sin puts distance in relationships. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, they put their desires ahead of God's. And it began to put distance between them and God. And it also put distance between them as husband and wife. So much so that it broke their friendship with God. And it separated this ideal marriage relationship that they had with each other. In fact, as we continue looking at the history of relationships, and we go from Genesis into the book of Exodus, into the books of prophets, and all throughout the Old Testament, relationships change dramatically because, because throughout the rest of the Old Testament, you find very few people who had the privilege of a friendship with God. Really just a handful. It says Abraham was a friend of God. It says Moses would talk to God as a friend. It says that David was, a, was a, a man after God's own heart. So I think that we would count David as a friend of God. But other than a very small handful of people, after Genesis, you've got hundreds and thousands of years throughout the Old Testament where nobody had a friendship with God. People could believe in God, but the chance of becoming friends with, with God was about as likely as becoming friends with, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers or, or Bill Gates. I mean, it sounds nice, probably not going to happen. In fact, God limited his presence to a location called the Holy of Holies. They, they partitioned off this area called the, the, the Holy of Holies in the uh, uh, tabernacle and then later on in the temple in Jerusalem with a giant curtain. A giant curtain that went all the way from the floor to the ceiling. So for at least the first half of the history of, of relationships, people had no friendship with God. God lived in separation from all the people. God was distant. God was partitioned off. But then came the pivotal moment in the history of all relationships that changed everything. When God showed up in this, on this planet in the person of Jesus. And he said, I want to show you the way back to God. And really the pivotal moment came at the end of Jesus' life when he spread out his arms on a cross. And he died and he shed his blood for you and I. At that exact moment, when Jesus died on that cross, something amazing happened. Remember how they partitioned God off behind a curtain? God lived behind a curtain in the Holy of Holies? At the exact moment when Jesus died, it says that curtain that separated God. All of a sudden, that curtain ripped in two. It was like this X-Files moment right there in the Holy of Holies in the temple in Jerusalem. At the exact moment Jesus died, the curtain in the Holy of Holies ripped in two. And all of a sudden, instead of distance and separation, all of a sudden, God became available. God became relational. God became accessible to all people. All of the time. In fact, look at what it says here in Matthew chapter 27. It says, when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave, he gave up his spirit. He died. 
And at that moment, now don't miss this, okay? Maybe you haven't seen this before. The, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, look at this, from top to bottom. Notice it says top to bottom. Why, why do you think that's important? Why do you think that's significant? Here's why. Because if a person did it, okay, if a person snuck in there, okay, into a holy place, it was such a big curtain, if a person would have done it, they would have had to have torn it from the bottom to the top. But somehow, supernaturally, by God's own design, in that very moment, God says relationships have now changed, and God supernaturally tears that curtain apart from the top all the way to the bottom. And so I want you to understand the powerful meaning of the symbol of the curtain. But I also want you to remember that the cross has replaced the symbol of the curtain. And the cross has this vertical plank, this vertical dimension that symbolizes our new relationship with God. And it also has this horizontal plank, this horizontal dimension that, that represents our new relationships with other people. Paul understood this, the greatest theologian in all of, of Christianity. Paul writes this, for since our, say this with me, friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us what? Friends of, of, of God. Friends of God. You can't buy friendship with God. You can't earn friendship with God. You can't do anything to get friendship with God except receive God's grace made available through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And, and when you do that, uh, Jesus says in John chapter 15, I no longer call you servants. Look at this. I call you my friends. My friends. Think about that, okay? Um, let, that, let that sink in for just a moment. Let that wash over you, all right? The God of the universe says, I pick you to be my friends. The all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, all-generous God says, I pick you to be my friend. I mean, imagine, you know, those people we mentioned a little bit earlier. Imagine one of them uh, came to you and said, hey, would you be my friend? You know, Aaron Rodgers comes to you, hey, would you be my friend? Uh, how would you respond? I, I would respond. I'd be like, of course, please, please. That would be awesome. What can I do to hang out with you? How can I be your friend? Please, please, please. But think about this. God himself says, I want to be friends with you. That should rock your world a little bit. God says, I want to be your friend. He says that to every person in this room, no matter what you've done. And so the question becomes, how do you respond? How do you respond? Now, I've got a hunch that some of us in this room uh, would say that we believe in God. But have you ever really said yes to friendship with God? Because there's a couple ways to respond, a couple specific ways that we respond. One of the ways is a personal, a personal response, a personal yes that uh, we, we do around here uh, consistently every weekend through communion. Because one of the ways that friends behave, right, friends like to get together and hang out together and share a meal together. I've got a friend named Steve, and a few weeks ago he texted me and said, hey, you want to get together for dinner on Sunday night? I shot back and said, uh, definitely. And we got together and had dinner and had a great time. But what if every Sunday, think about this, if my friend Steve uh, sent me a text and I didn't respond, you know, every Sunday, 
And, you know, I, I don't respond. Or I respond back and go, nah, not interested. Nah, you know, I'm doing something else. Nah, I'm hanging out with somebody else. Um, you know, after a while, what's, what's, what's Steve going to think? I don't think Ben wants to be my friend. A little bit later in this service, by God's own design, we're going to share a meal. And it's a chance for you to say yes to his offer of friendship. And then there's also a public response to being a friend of God called baptism. Think about this. How would you feel if you had a friend who would email you and text you and call you and talk to you on the phone, but this friend would never be seen with you in, in public? Uh, they're, they're like, nah, I can't do that. But they would just chat it up with you on the phone. That'd be kind of strange, wouldn't it? After a while, you'd start thinking, what's up with that? Are they really my friend? That's why one of the responses Jesus has asked us to do, if you're going to be a friend of God, he says, I want you to go all in. And I want you to make a, a decision to, to publicly say yes to friendship with God by getting baptized. If, um, if you have never made the decision for yourself to be baptized uh, and, and you want to say yes to friendship with God, you need, you need to do this. You need, you need to get baptized. In fact, we, uh, we, we've got a baptism service coming up next Saturday. We've got a bunch of people getting baptized next Saturday after the service. And we put a card in the, in the program. It looks like this. You can just fill that out and drop that in the uh, offering. And, and, uh, and we'd love to in, include you. Or you can just take out your smartphone and text yes to baptism to 313131. That'll send you a link to this little form that asks you your name, your email, your, your, your T-shirt size. Because we would love to help you say yes to friendship with, with God. I want you to look at this word again one more time, this word friend here. And I want you to know that in the original language, okay, this, is not, this does not mean casual acquaintance or Facebook friend. This means deep, close, personal, intimate friends. In fact, in the original language, this was the word that they used to describe the best man at a wedding. This is also the word that they use to describe a king's inner circle. You know, a king might have a million, thousands, millions of acquaintances, subjects, but, but no, he says, I want you to be part of my inner circle. That's what God says. God says, I want you, I pick you to be my friend. And so let me describe the kind of friendship uh, that God, as we, know, as we know him in Jesus, that he offers to every person in this room. First of all, he's a forgiving friend. In Romans chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, it says, You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Notice how God offered forgiveness to us. He didn't wait for us to come to him. He didn't wait for us to take a step toward him. No, he came to us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us, offering forgiveness, extending grace while we ran in the other direction. Because he is a, he is a forgiving friend. Most friendships have a point in time where one of you says something or, or, or does something. And there's going to need to be some forgiveness for the friendship to continue. You're, you're, you, ever, you ever said something or, 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 or done something and, you know, you wondered if you damaged a, a friendship? 
I did that recently. I, I, I did something. I didn't, I didn't actually do something wrong, but I, didn't, I did something I didn't tell my, my friend about. I didn't think it would matter to my uh, friend. And then uh, a few weeks later, I got this uh, text message when my friend found out, and my friend was surprised, and I could tell it hurt his feelings. And I could tell that I, that I put him in a, uh, I unintentionally put him in a very awkward uh, position by not telling him. And I thought to myself, oh, I, I, I screwed up. I regret this. I should have told him personally. I should have told him directly. And I began to wonder if I damaged our, our, our friendship. You ever done that? You ever been there? And from the moment I realized I screwed up until I was able to reconnect with my friend, I, you know, I wondered, you know, will this person receive me back? Um, will, will this person be able to get past what I had done? Will the friendship be the same? But I want you to imagine a friend where before you even have the chance to wonder, before you even have the chance to worry, this friend steps toward you with an embrace of forgiveness. That's Jesus. God as we know him in the person of Jesus is a friend who will forgive over and over again. Now, I don't know your story. I don't know what kinds of stuff from, from your past might haunt you. But in the moment you say something wrong, the moment you do something wrong, he greets you. And he says, let's, let's pursue for forgiveness. He's a forgiving friend. And he's also a, a loyal friend. A loyal friend. If we, we keep moving through Romans chapter 5. It says, and since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Notice this word, certainly. Not only does he forgive our past, but we can certainly trust him to go through this life with us. And we can certainly trust him with our, with our with the future. Theologian N.T. Wright uh, describes this passage in, 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 in Romans chapter 5 this way. He says, God did the unthinkable thing in sending his son to die for us while there was nothing whatever to commend us to him. And indeed, everything to make him revolted by us when, in other words, we were his enemies. Now that we are his friends, reconciled to him, look at this, God is not about to abandon us after all. No, because he is a loyal friend. He will be there. You know, I wonder if you recognize this song. Is there anybody that doesn't recognize that song? Yeah, it's from a popular TV show called Friends. The show was very popular in the 1990s into the 2000s. And I know this might seem like kind of a dated cultural reference from, from 20 years ago, but it's not. Did you, know that, did you know that over 16 million people watch Friends uh, every, every week in its various syndicated airings, not counting all the, all the plays that it gets on, on uh, Netflix? I think there's something about this theme song. I think there's something about this show that people connect with, and I think it's because we all want friends that we know are going to be there in the good times, and we know they're going to be there for us in the bad times. And guess what? That's who God is as we know him in Jesus. He is a loyal friend. He will be there for you. But he's also this. He's also an eternal friend. If we continue in Romans chapter 5, 
it says this, Christ's one, one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So he's a, he's a forgiving friend, he's a loyal friend, and he is an eternal friend. Many of you know that last summer my wife, uh, Marnie, I went in for a routine test, a uh, mammogram, and they saw a little something. And so they ran some tests, and a few days later, they diagnosed her with breast cancer. And then a couple weeks later, they went in and they did surgery, and they removed the cancer. But they were a little concerned that maybe it had spread. And so during the surgery, they also take out some lymph nodes, and they, get, they, they test those. Um, but it takes about a week to get the uh, results back. So the, the surgeon told us that, you know, the surgery went well, but it uh, be about a week before we know those uh, test results. And many of you know what it's like, right, to wait for test results like that. It just hangs over your head, and it just stays on your mind. And so during the week, we prayed a lot. We prayed a lot. And, um, you know, waiting for those test results, in my mind, I started thinking about different scenarios and, you know, what would it be like if the cancer had spread and what would it even be like to possibly lose my wife? I remember I felt a mix of emotions. Part of me felt scared. Part of me felt sad. But there was also this part of me welling up inside this confidence, this peace in the midst of fear and, and sadness that said, whatever the outcome, it's going to be okay because Marnie is a friend of God. And the doctor called with the test results, the good news, and said uh, the lymph nodes are clean, the cancer has not spread. We felt relieved and glad. We thank God for answering our prayers, and we thank God for the good news. Uh, people ask me how Marnie's doing. Somebody asked me this morning, how's Marnie doing? Marnie's doing, doing great. But here's the truth. One day there will be bad news for her and bad news for me, and there's going to be bad news uh, for you and for everyone for everyone here, for all of us, and in the middle of the sadness, in the middle of the fear, having God for an eternal friend, knowing that you have a place in heaven, brings peace, brings confidence. So who wouldn't want a friend like that? Who doesn't need a friend like Jesus? Jesus wants to be your forgiving, loyal, eternal friend. I'm telling you, hear me on this. God created you for relationships from the beginning. God created you for awesome relationships with him and with each other. And I have found in my experience that my relationship with God, my friendship with God, it not only helps me this way, vertically, with, with love and forgiveness and loyalty and, and eternal life, but you know what? It helps me this way. Here's what I mean. I know some of us are struggling with broken relationships. Some of us have friendships that have just fallen apart. Some of us are fighting for our families right now. We're fighting to hold our family together, to hold our marriage together. Some of us have gone long periods of time, months, even years, without, without hearing from or, or, or speaking to people that you should love and should love you. And here's what happens. When you say yes to this vertical relationship with God, when you understand that God is now your friend in Jesus, here's what happens. Take a look again from Romans chapter 5. Paul says, hope does not put us to shame. But here's what it does. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given us. So when you become a friend with God, he not only forgives you this way, okay, and he not only promises to be with you now and for eternity, but check this out. I love what it says. 
God's going to pour his love into your heart through the Holy Spirit. And when God pours his love inside of you, and he just keeps pouring his love inside of you, and you've got this reservoir of love in you, you're going to be able to forgive other people in ways that you could never forgive them before. And all of a sudden, God keeps pouring love inside of you. And you've got this never-ending reservoir of love. And you're going to be loyal to people. You're going to have the courage to stick by people like you never could on your own. And God, when God constantly and supernaturally pours his love inside you, into your heart, you always have enough love. And you're not going to give up on your family. You're not going to give up on your friends. You're not going to give up on your, on your, on your spouse. And, and people ask, how do you do it? It's because God has poured his love. God pours his love in you, and that allows you to love others that way. I'm telling you, friendship with God, friendship with with Jesus, it not only changes your life this way with with forgiveness and loyalty and, and knowing that you have eternal life, but it also changes your relationships. Don't you want that? Don't you want Jesus to be your friend? You know what? Jesus considers himself to be your friend. The question is, how do you respond? Well, we're going to give everyone an opportunity to respond personally by sharing communion. Remember, this is, this is your personal decision to say yes to friendship with, with him. And, and maybe for some of you, this is a, a, a renewal or a rededication of a decision that you made many, many years ago. Maybe you've drifted. You know, God never drifts, but sometimes we drift in friendships. Maybe you've drifted this past week. This is a chance to renew your commitment and say yes to friendship with God. Maybe for some of you, this is a new decision, a new step in a new direction, not just to believe in God, but to really say yes to friendship with him. We invite you to share communion with us. If it's, if it's all new to you, if you're not comfortable with it and, and you want to take a pass on it, that's fine. But this is an opportunity for anyone to say yes to friendship with, with Jesus. The bread represents his body. The juice represents his, his, his blood. Let me pray for us, and then we'll pass the uh, trays. God, I believe, I believe that we're in this room today because you are pursuing us. You are seeking friendship with each one of us. But it's easy for us to settle for something less than that and to make it about doctrine or just about doctrine or just about principles, something that we acknowledge is true, something we give assent to intellectually as far as belief. But it's far less than a relationship and a friendship. And so, God, would you help us hear you say those words to each one of us? Will you be my friend? God, help us to understand that what you want with us is friendship. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.